0: News, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content at com. Before we get started, I'd love to remind you, if you'd like to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, it helps a ton with visibility. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. Anybody you know that loves Texas Longhorns, man, let them know we've got a good podcast for them. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by my good friend, the illest, the realest,
1: Mr. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how you doing this week? Fantastic, man. Uh, in a great headspace with, uh, with the, you know, as podcasts often do, tech- technology working perfectly for us, and looking down and seeing my dog in a uh, shame cone after he had uh, multiple masses removed and teeth removed. But what I'm excited and what brings me joy is uh, we had some good Texas Longhorn things this week that uh, I'm excited to talk to you about. So we're going onward and upward.
0: Yeah, so like Kyle alluded to, we told you last week we were going to have a friend of the show, Coach Nick Zajacek, on today, and he literally sent Kyle a text that said, my computer bricked, which is just I, I, this is one of my favorite technology terms, just something bricked. It just became a paperweight at this point. So he is working to get that resolved. We will try to get him uh, on the sh- back on the show as soon as we can. Uh, coming up this next week, I want to give you a bit of a – Teaser: We're going to have a uh, National Signing Day kind of lead-up breakdown kind of what Texas targets are still out there, who fans should expect to ink on National Signing Day, and if, if Texas should have any surprises. So we'll have that for you next week with uh, special guests from BON coming out to, uh, to help us. Our recruiting experts, it's always good to be able to say, I've got a recruiting expert that I can just text. So we'll have that for you next week. But Kyle... So last week on the show, we were talking about you know what's Texas going to do? We've got you know Iowa State again that took Texas to overtime, and then we've got the SEC Big 12 matchup, which I like to talk crap about the SEC basketball just because it's it's fun outside of I don't know maybe Kentucky on a good year. You don't get a ton of good stuff from SEC basketball. So uh, we had two games this week. So we'll we'll start off by talking about uh, the Texas Longhorns taking on Iowa State in a conference matchup and getting the job stinking done. Texas came in with a win 73-57 to to pull off the season sweep over the Cyclones. And Texas was kind of all over Iowa State from... Just jump street, it seems. So what did you see, Kyle, from the Longhorns in that game that that really gave them the advantage against Iowa State?
1: Uh, Texas looked like the better team. Texas looked like a really, really good team, um, which, you know, when Texas flexes that way, uh, you get optimistic and you start to think, hey, this Texas team, this is a tournament team. Let's see what they can do. Um, You know... We had the segue perfectly set up for Texas to not be great with the computer bricking after West Virginia with a series of bricking. But this was actually a pretty good shooting performance uh, from this Texas team. Um, obviously, the the headline uh, in this Iowa State game, as it has been for the past few games for Texas and looks to be going forward, is Mo Bamba. Um, that guy, and we need to spend some time... Just talking about all the nuances and all the things he's doing well, but I mean, he's shooting crazy. Um, you know, from uh, from three, he sh- he's shooting incredibly well from the line hitting the rebounds, um, blocks, steals, uh, just, just doing everything. And he even played well enough in this game. They got up big enough he got to sit down for a minute and actually rest and let the, uh, the other guys get in there. Um, shout out to Royce Hammond, and James Banks. Good to see uh, out-of-witness protection. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast about the Texas lives and dies by the defense. They held opponents to under 60 points. They are 10-1 when they've done that, um, this being the latest example. Um, so in the lone loss being Michigan because Michigan's just in aberration in general. But uh, but yeah, I mean if they can do that, as we said, Texas defense plays well, Texas plays well. Other people can't get it going. Texas gets it going. It's it's a pretty simple equation. So uh, this Iowa State game to me is the template. This is how we need to be playing uh, against teams all year, especially teams that Texas has more talent than.
0: You know it's hard to to play against Texas when when Mo and and Snoop are. Really, uh, when they're hitting on all cylinders, they came out and just were lights out in the first half. Bamba had 13 points in the first half. 13.6 rebounds, two blocks, and two steals from the big man in the first half. Uh, and Snoop dropped a clean 12 on him. Uh, they both finished with Bamba had 24, 12, and 3. And Snoop had 22 points and four assists. So, like, those dudes just balled out. And and when those two guys are on their game, and we know we talk about, a lot about Dylan O and Mo Bamba, but really when the Texas offense is clicking, yeah. you know, Mo is playing really well down low and texas is able to uh to really get a lot of good production out of snoop roach and the other thing that really struck out at me is they texas finished with 16 second chance points which isn't a huge number but 12 of those came in the first half of that game so they were able early on to use their size advantage down low grab some offensive boards and use that to generate points so really they got out I had a ton in, you know, we talked about the big men. Texas scored 30 points in the paint, 30 points in the paint. Iowa State only managed 20 uh, in the game. There's a 10-point differential there, so Texas got 30. Uh, generally, it's Dylan O and Mo Bamba, so those two guys did a great job. And it seemed like to me one of the few times in recent history uh, that Texas didn't have a second half collapse like they built yeah. a good lead like they did like they tend to do all year and then they were able to hold on to it so what did you see really Kyle that let them keep that uh, keep that momentum and keep that uh, keep that
1: lead well like I said this this to me is the template right if you take this and you can just replicate it if you have to take a file save as um, you know we're, we're both writers we we know that unfortunately that's a part of the game; it happens. But if you have to file save as an edit something from a starting point, this is where you start. Um, we've been talking all year again about defense is the positive, but the things that they need to work on uh, is avoiding the letting teams back in it, shooting the three better, and shooting the free throws. And and uh, you know they did all three of those things. Um, three point shooting, they were forty percent. But if you take out Eric Davis, who no you know no hate on that guy, he's come through clutch in, in some games for us. But he was one of seven. If you take out his threes. The team shot 54%, including, you know, four or five for for Snoop um, and and 100% for Bamba, two for two. Um, shooting the three like that, you know, when you're inside-outside and you're playing well, it's going to contribute where teams aren't going to get back in the game. You know, you're, you you don't have a letdown when you're just burying shots. You, you break the will, and then you have Bamba, you know, erasing in the paint. You break the will uh, of the other team, and that's what Texas has to do. They just have to get out and, and uh, stay aggressive, keep the foot on the gas, um you know one thing they they did in this game that I liked was the free throws right anytime that um they got in there and drew fouls because they were getting some good penetration they like I said this was a pure pick and roll to three point open shooter or get in the paint game which is exactly how Texas should be running their offense they were 15 of 18 from free throws this looked like a different Texas team um, than what we saw in the beginning of the season with some of their talent flashes but these kind of traps they were falling into um i mean if they were hitting all of these notes throughout the year this might they might have four more wins on the resume so it, it gives me you know it gives me a good feeling pretty optimistic and, and again just the um one thing to call out is the uh, the mentality here and, and shaka smart you know, deserves all the credit. When you get your butt kicked, when when they played West Virginia and just get your tail whipped in the game before this, um, how you respond, and we said on the pod last week, how you respond says a lot about what you're made of, what the character of these guys is, um, how the coaching staff, you know, feels about them, how they can get them set up. And they came out and played one of their better games of the season immediately after that. So I like that a lot.
0: And we'll just use this as a segue. They continued that play through the week. That's been my biggest. Uh, my biggest point of contention for the team is it seems like they'll put together a phenomenal game, and then just like a team that's full of freshmen and sophomores, right. the next game is a bit of a letdown. But Texas went into the uh, Big 12 SEC showdown, and I think you know the final score may not show it, but they put a beating on, on Mississippi, on Ole Miss. Uh, Texas, you know, the final score is 85-72, which 13 points is still... A pretty decent margin, but yeah. they were they were up significant amounts throughout this game. Uh, so this is the first time since Texas started conference play where they won back to back games. Uh, so Texas jumped out early, and it it felt like it was going to be another one of those games, though, because they gave up that lead in the in the second in the second or early in the first half, excuse me, yeah. and you know was able to to put a lead back. Together, but Kyle, what what stood out to you in the Mississippi game uh, that allowed Texas to find repeated success like they had in all season?
1: Well, I think it should be noted we we said it before this team is is good without Mobamba, but they're not nearly as good, especially on the defensive end. It's in, and that's of course he's a uh, potential you know end of season award candidate who's playing out of his mind uh but that little run actually went with a kind of a a small bamba injury we went back to the locker room and i was a little nervous but he came back and obviously finished the game uh very very well and again the the guy uh just looks like another level and the team when he's out there looks another level And, and truly um some of the question marks that we've had about him in the beginning of the season uh have looked good i mean in conference play if you count this last game uh he's shooting uh from behind the three almost 40 percent he's uh i think seven of 18 from behind the the three and and free throw lines almost 75 percent i mean he's shooting like a three guard um i'll take those numbers any day of the week um on top of doing all the things that uh that he needs to do and again texas came out in this one uh hit well from the from the free throw line um you know played the press well at times when they applied it which i really like um and looked like uh they were the kind of better coached better prepared team um and really executed what they needed to Uh, this this to me and and again you talked about the bigs both bigs were good guard play was good shot that i mean this is just Really reassuring, like you said, to get back-to-back games where you watched the Texas basketball team—they looked like it was the same team in uh, the good version. You know, they were both Jekyll Hyde, whichever one's the good one. They were that <laughs> twice in a row. Um, so, you know, that's that's incredible. Let's make it three. Let's make it four. Um, seeing that that momentum carry in um, could be could be huge for this Texas team.
0: Yeah, and I think this was the first game that showed me that they could really get it done on offense. Uh, this is one of three games this year that they've won where they allowed the the opponent to score over seventy points. Seventy right. points seems to be that tipping point. Right. Uh, so this and this is the only one that was in regulation. The other two games were overtime games. The Iowa State the first time and then TCU. Uh, so Texas was able to get it done offensively, and you know a guy like Jace Fabres who doesn't get a ton of time capitalized on his opportunities you know uh bomba and, and big o down front hair choices notwithstanding <laughs> were dominating in the paint and so anytime they kicked it out to Fabres, dude shot four of eight from from three-point land like that's not bad like i'll take that all yeah. all 12 of his points came from beyond the arc so that's yep. to me you're not he's not getting a ton of play but when he gets in if you can hit four three-pointers Bro, your money. Like, that's what we need from you. And so, uh, Bamba got 25 and 15 like he does. He's continuing to set the standard. He's second in the nation in block. So, it, he got. He, he's going to get his. I think, for me, when if, it's kind of like when Kevin Durant was on campus. If KD's off, there's very little hope the Texas is going to win the game. But when he's on and the supporting cast around him is on, there are very few teams that can run with them. If the supporting cast is below average – it's it's going to be a crapshoot.
1: Well, and again, you take out your second best player in, in such you know incredible extenuating circumstances with uh, the Jones situation. You, you take that out, and it becomes so much more reliant on Mo Bamba to deliver. And credit to the freshman, he just continues. And, and like I said, to me, when I watch him, I'm seeing him get better. I'm seeing him evolve. I'm seeing places that I identified weakness, you know, ten games ago, look like you know at least a, a solid, if not a plus. Um, that can translate to the next level, looking great. And I loved I loved Febris because, again, we're going to need those shooters. We're going to need guys to take those Jones minutes. And he came in, and he, he reminded me a little bit of kind of like an A.J. Abrams performance. He obviously didn't uh, yeah. didn't orchestrate or have the, the shorts that went down to his uh, capri level, down to his ankles, But uh, and I love A.J. That's not a knock on him. But he took eight shots from outside the arc and one inside. I love that. I love those numbers when the little guards are just chuckers, just getting out there, throwing up shots. And if you hit 50% of them, Hey, keep shooting, man. Uh, white chocolate, let it rain. Uh, as, as they said in the long game, poly. just keep pulling the trigger. Um, that is my go to basketball move, by the way, But and movie. But yeah, I mean, just keep going, son. And I like that. Let's get some guys. Let's get some of these guys who aren't necessarily the stars, the marquees, the, the 2018 guys, but guys who are going to contribute this year and potentially take a next step especially when Bomba leaves uh, on campus and we see what this team is you know in the future going forward with some of these other guys but uh, I love that that's exciting to me Snoop uh, had another good game you know you put two of his better games on campus back to back or you know two of his top 10 at least right there I mean I, I, like I said the consistency and and Dylan O having a good night the same night Mobamba does um, makes me feel good about this going forward and it's it's not it's not an easy schedule going forward at all it's never an easy schedule in the big 12 and we're gonna talk a little bit about that but uh, but you know it gives me gives you good hope for the kind of run to the end of the conference and then get into the tournament so
0: we were talking pre-show so Texas is sixth in conference play currently which is not great they're going for their second one of the season in Lubbock on Wednesday which Playing in Lubbock in any sport is just awful. Yep. Uh, and then uh, college game days coming to Austin on Saturday yeah. for the first matchup of the freshman phenoms. I'm really excited to see this, and uh, you are as well. You got Trey Young down there in Norman, and you got obviously big man Mo Bamba. So I'm excited to see. You know, and I think. May, we may have discovered the the formula to locking down Trey Young. You may talk about that in your bang the drum, Kyle. Don't want to don't want to tiptoe too much on your territory. Yeah. I, if if Texas can can split this week, even I feel pretty solid. I think they have a shot to come out with both, but a split even feels like a good week to me.
1: Yeah, and and I think this will be a pretty good indicator of of what the you know how we're going to feel going into the season. Like you said, Texas is sixth, and, and I think we've said it a couple times that this is at least a, probably. 6 7 maybe even 8 teams in the in the dance conference right now. We'll talk a little bit how the the measure of the conference looked uh, later in, in in my bang the drum, but uh, but you know they they do have like you said tech Oklahoma which is going to be tough, but then you turn around right after that, you go through uh, the next week and you have Kansas State, TCU, Baylor. Um Texas could easily go 2 and 1 or even 3 and 0 oh in that. So I mean, they have a chance to really get some momentum and if you can string four or five wins together that starts to look really good that's how you get numbers next to your name and and you know in the big 12 anything can happen on any given night so i'm feeling good i think this texas team could finish as the fifth best team you know maybe even the fourth best team you know we'll see tech is a really good team i don't want to uh don't want to knock them but you know they could end up if they sweep them they end up looking like the better team they're both ranked in the the low 20s or something you know it's uh it's in a good place for Texas basketball, especially all things given that they've gone through this season.
0: I'm excited to see it how they shape up. So the other basketball team on campus is also in play, and they had they had a week that looked like the men's basketball team. Let's just be honest here. So they opened up the week with kind of an embarrassing loss. Not you know they they played they played their hearts out, but it was tough. So they went to uh, play the Baylor Bears and lost 81 to 50 six and it just seemed like they couldn't string two baskets together and Mm -hmm. i'm not sure uh kyle did you do you have any impressions of this game kind of what that feels like an anomaly to me i don't know about you
1: yeah i mean we knew the baylor team is really good i think i think texas even after this loss is probably a number two seed i think the espn bracketology right now has them as a two seed and and surprisingly not in yukon's division but uh I think Baylor is probably going to end up being a one seed, and we said this would be the battle for who's the class of the Big Twelve. But I think it's also this was two teams vying for kind of the supremacy for a number one seed for one of the best teams in the country. It's unfortunate that Texas didn't get that, but I I don't I don't come away from that game feeling like you know the end is the end is here and this this women's basketball team doesn't have it in them. Um, You know Baylor has Kalani Brown and and Lauren Cox, really twin towers in women's basketball, um, two of the you know just giants of the game. Um, and, and it's tough, you know, it's tough to go against them, and, and it feels like Kalani Brown, I've been hearing her name for the past 11 years, uh, at Baylor, like, I don't know if she's getting some kind of postdoctorate degree and has eligibility, but uh, she's only a junior, inexplicably, but uh, is really, really good. She's leading the country in field goal percentage. I mean, it's a tough team. They're, they're a very, very good team, um, and, and UT, I think, actually has, you know, a couple things going for them. They've, uh, they've slumped in some areas, like you said, but they've had some people step up, On that team, and uh, I'm actually excited for Joyner Holmes, who's been coming back. She was the uh, she was the Big 12 Freshman of the Year, um, and has been out and is just starting to work back into that rotation. So that actually, to me, even though this is a loss, starting to see her get some minutes and get uh, you know get into that, I would love to see a, a Big 12. Uh, conference, you know, rematch between these two and, uh, and see them get, uh, see them get a little redemption. Cause I think this is a rivalry that I like and could be going for a while. Um, you know, they have some big ones coming up with, uh, with TCU West Virginia, Oklahoma state, and then the, the big uh, end of February rematch. Um, right. Uh, I believe the nineteenth February, something like that, is against Baylor. So that'll be one to circle on the calendar. We said that about this game, but uh, I'm excited to see this Texas team with a little uh, a little fire lit underneath them and, and wanting to get a little redemption, um, doing that in February. But I, I think they're in a good spot, and I, and I do think um, they, if they maintain where they're at right now, take a two seed into the tournament, that they look pretty good and they're in a good position.
0: You mentioned the you know twin towers from Baylor. That's that clearly is going to be Texas's Achilles heel for most of.
1: The season, you know, Baylor just
0: cleaned up on the offensive glass. Like yeah, they they had, I think, then a fourteen offensive rebounds and twenty two. I think the final number was mm-hmm. second chance points. So, like, that's that's kind of the recipe for disaster for Texas. And obviously, they only hit nine shots from the floor, so it's not it's not the best way to go about it. You, know, you go you go into the paint, and it's not going to happen. So Texas rebounded, though. We're not. It's not all doom and gloom. We've been very high on the women's basketball team, <laughs> and rightfully so this year. So they came out. And they weren't going to let one win beat them twice. So they came out, and I feel like they took some frustration out maybe on Iowa State. Yeah, uh, Topping Iowa State 87-55. to They scored more points than Baylor did and held Iowa State to fewer points than they were held to. I feel like it was just a statement. Yeah. So the third quarter was real, real good for Texas. They started on a 14-0 run. They started the second half 14-0 and just decided that that was what they wanted to do with their lives so kyle is this more uh more symptomatic or emblematic probably a better word of the texas uh women's team here
1: this is what good especially in women's basketball where you know the parody can be a little less the really good teams can be really good um but you're gonna have a little more probably differential in the you know a plus teams against the the c teams there's there's a bigger gap than you see uh maybe in men's basketball but uh Texas is one of those good teams and they prove it when they come in and run someone off the gym. We've seen it multiple times against multiple teams where they've won by ludicrous margins this season. And that's them. Exerting themselves and, like you said, they they may not be the biggest team in the country, but you know have great guard play, run a great offense, move the ball. They've been shooting, you know, and and that's what they're going to continue to do. Um, I think this is a pretty indicative win of what this Texas team can be. Uh, it was a little funny in the show notes. I think you originally put eighty-seven to five, uh, and I was like, now I know they beat them, but if it was an eighty-two point win, I, I don't I don't recall it being that bad. But uh, but yeah, I mean. It kind of felt like that it felt like they just were running them off the court and i kind of wouldn't be surprised if they come out in their next game against tcu and, and do the same especially because tcu uh beat them in in the big 12 by like a point i think in their last matchup uh and again keeping that theme of wanting a little redemption i wouldn't be surprised if they come out and, and beat tcu by you know 20 points just to show no, no no this is this is who we are we are this version of ourselves so uh so i think i think Take a little momentum, and like you said, it, to split a week. I really, like you said, don't let one loss beat you twice. Um, I think that's, that's a great, and I hope the coaches are saying the same thing. Let's go, and let's let's build off the wins. Let's build off who we know we can be and don't put too much stock into uh, when we don't look like our best selves. So it wouldn't be... The
0: Longhorn Republic, if we didn't find a way to talk about football, because that's just kind of what we do. So we got some rumors this week, unconfirmed rumors at this point, I will say, uh, that Texas freshman wide receiver Reggie Hampo Maps was seeking a transfer out of the university and and it kind of came as a shock to a lot of people because he played in all 13 games this season started two of them uh he had some really really great highlight plays there were some rumors online uh that he just wants to be closer to home he he had his dad passed away earlier in the year so that may have something to do with it uh university of houston was was kind of rumored as one of the spots that he may land Mm -hmm. so you know if it be ho- be home with family like I totally get that no uh no no skin off my teeth or no no hard feelings for a kid wanting to be closer to home I totally I cannot imagine uh what he's going through so Kyle Reggie was was kind of a player for for Texas this year and so if these turn out to be true what does that do for the Texas offense other
1: areas of the the game well it's never good when you know you have a player who's a contributor especially as a redshirt freshman who looks to have a lot of upside and a lot of future and I mean a lot of us were already thinking about what next year might look like with another year working with the quarterbacks and kind of that same receiving core minus uh, Armonte coming back so it does throw a little bit of a wrench but I mean anything anytime you have a, a subtraction you have potential for addition you have a spot open up the slot receiver is a very important spot in a Tom Herman offense it has been kind of his whole career it's one of his M.O.s um, and uh, to me who steps up and who makes this is is pretty pretty paramount to how the texas offense looks next year there's obviously a lot of factors with the offensive line and what tight ends look like and if we get consistent play out of the running game and you know there's things but i i am going to be keeping an eye a real close eye on who uh lines up in that spot and who ends up winning that spot so a couple people i was just thinking um and i'd love to hear your thoughts um you know obviously you're kind of obvious choices to move one of your outside stars in and that could be Uh, running more in the slot which he did some this year um, or LJH who actually played a lot in the slot almost like you know a fast tight end um, but he split out wide as well and some in some key drives so if he was kind of more uh, permanently in that spot one of those two guys moving um, obviously someone who came to mind for me is Devin DuVernay and and he's uh, a a lightning bolt you know a, a guy who can just make plays and really make things happen but didn't see the field as much didn't contribute as much as i would have expected or hoped. so maybe this opens the door for him um and i mean i don't know maybe even he or, or bird or someone picks up the punt return uh, responsibilities and has a chance to be a be a spark plug there and then you know there's the the new guys the unproven guys the freshmen we're still in some ways you have the class you know guys out on the on the recruiting trail using this to say hey a spot is open for you. Come on in, you know, you can step in. And so it could be, you know, a guy who's out on there or a guy who like Jordan Pouncey, red shirted this year, Davion Curtis, who hasn't seen the field very much, but has a lot of, a lot of potential. So what do you think? Do you have a guy who, who jumps out to you? Who you think red is ready to step up?
0: Yeah. I mean, you kind of hit them all. No, I think, um, I think Devin the duve is, is a guy I'd love to see. I'd love to see them just find ways to get John Burt more involved. Yeah. You know, we talked – that was my bang the drum last week. I think John Burt, wherever you put him, he may be a great slot receiver. I don't know. I mean, he's – clearly the fastest guy on the team uh, so I think any any opportunities to get him on the field uh, for me is a good thing and the other thing you mentioned it they're still out on the recruiting trail Texas is kind of in a battle with with A&M and Baylor for for two cats that I really think I would love for them to land Joshua Moore uh, out of Yoakum and then Tommy Bush out of the greatest high school in the state of Texas Sam Clemens High School SCUCISD stand up I know, right? If Texas got two from our uh, little hometown, that would be huge. I, I don't think Bush is going to end up in burnt orange, but uh, it'd be great to see it. So I I I don't know. I really don't. And, and a guy like Reggie, the other thing that you lose with him is he's he's kind of been a very active recruiter for Texas. Whether it was you know hosting visits or you know being out there on social media, he kind of earned the nickname "Recruiter Reggie." Right and. For me, that's also a big hurt because if you've got guys that are in the program and are brand ambassadors, that is huge because you yeah. know the coaches are going to sell you. It's 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 like the old saying, you know, the car salesman's obviously going to tell you how great the car is. Ask the person who's actually driving the car. Right. So having a guy like that in there for me is is just huge, and so I really. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna hurt, and I think obviously if there's a spot where Texas can afford to lose a little bit of talent, it's probably wide receiver at this point. Sure, uh, you know before go before the 2018 recruiting class is probably the deepest, most talented area, and it still may be even with all of the talent coming in, in the secondary. But uh, so I I don't know. Again, I'd love to see um, you know heard heard out there, and again any opportunities if you can get John Burt returning kicks and punts. Let's do something with it. Like I think that guy is a, is a uh, is a just needs to see the field. He's a lightning bolt. He's a guy that can you know crack off ninety yard touchdowns because he's just faster than everybody else on the field. Yeah. Well, that brings us to our favorite part of the show, where we honor our favorite tradition on the Forty Acres, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. So, Kyle, what
1: are you banging the drum on this week? So I'm going to go back to basketball here in men's basketball specifically. So we've talked a lot about how strong this Big 12 conference is. And this was kind of a little bit of a testing ground for how how good we were in the national perspective, especially because um, the SEC, as you noted, hasn't been great outside of Kentucky in years past and Kentucky was notably down this year so it really opened up the door for preseason uh SEC uh champion pick in most people's uh Texas A&M who's been terrible and that breaks my heart I hate to see that that they're really struggling mightily this year but the SEC hasn't uh really dominated uh Florida's been very good and and obviously Kentucky if they get a little you know if they get a little uh excitement from this uh, and, and turn it into a, a run is always a dangerous team a cal calipari team you don't want to see in the tournament but uh, this was a chance for the big 12 to exert themselves and they just to put it plainly didn't um they went four and six which is um which is just not great um when you're you know supposedly the best basketball conference in the country and there's some reasons you can talk about that but uh Ultimately, you know, I think it, it showed well for Texas because Texas probably handled their business um, better than than any other team um, outside of Kansas, just uh, molly whopping texas a and m again, I derive very little pleasure from that but um, but Texas looked like one of the the class of the conference, and maybe it was their matchup they matched up well with. With Ole Miss, but uh, they did what they needed to do. Um, Baylor didn't help their chances um, of getting into the tournament. You know, I think there's three teams who may be looking at the NIT right now: Baylor at 12 and nine, Oklahoma State who lost to Arkansas in a nail biter, sixty six to sixty five, at 13 and eight, and then um, Iowa State who again. Uh, losing to Texas twice and then losing to Tennessee who you know give give Rick Barnes credit. that might be the most stable even team in the SEC this season and they're sitting uh, in the top 25 and probably will move up a little bit even further from 22. Um, but still you know, Iowa State had a chance to get a, a name a name win and they got you know run out of the gym. So you know it's tough. Um, one thing that I that I did see uh, was the uh, OU loss, which again, I hate when Texas rivals lose it really hurts me but this one was tough uh, just because it uh, you want OU to be at their best so when Texas beats them it's even better but this was an Avery Johnson coached Alabama team and they have a five star Freshman, and I've only been watching him because his name's Colin Sexton. And if you read the pre-gamer, um, one of the like running jokes in the pre-gamer because it just took off was um, a rap song I made around Kansas State's wide receiver named Colin Sexton that goes something along the lines of "Colin Sexton, late night Texan." But you know, feel free to look up the pre-gamer. But uh, Colin Sexton came in and looked like the class of the freshman in those two teams. Avery Johnson coached a great team, and they won by seven points against the hottest team in the country and the hottest player in the country in Trey Young. So ultimately, what, what I take away from this weekend is that the, the Big 12 may not be as good as, as advertised. I think the Big 12 has some really good teams. I think the Big 12 could still uh, put six teams in the tournament, but... It gives Texas the opportunity, just to bring it back to what we said earlier, to rise up and potentially be one of the top three or four teams in this conference and represent us in the in the tournament by going on a run.
0: I'm, I'm excited to see how the rest of the season shakes out because I definitely think this matchup with OU, like you said, is really where we find out if this team has a deep run in it or not. And granted, they could get hot. And and run things off the gym, or they could really blast OU, which would you know I wouldn't hate that. Uh, But then the tournament turns out poorly, so we we never know uh, what's going to happen. My bang the drum is uh, is going back to football because that's again what we do. So Athlon Sports and Life, by the way, they added Life to their uh, their (laughs) surname. So Athlon Sports and Life released a uh, a report card and ranking of the. Uh, first year head football coaches here in the NCAA it came out a couple days ago. Uh, and so some names that you might recognize are on this list. So old link Riley down there in Norman, uh, was number three on the list. He took a really talented team. Like, I don't know. I don't like, yeah, he did great. Like he took over for Bob Stoops and you had the Heisman letter. Fantastic. That took a whole lot of work, uh, which is great. So we'll scroll down a little bit in this list. Uh, Charles Ulysses strong came in at number nine, uh, took USF to 10 and two, uh, even though they were expected to win the AAC. Uh, he still got a B minus, which it's not too bad. he, you know the defense was better, almost a touchdown better this year, so that's great. And then you know Thomas Herman came in at number ten, right behind Charlie Strong, which is just a running gag for everybody <laughs> uh, for taking Texas to its first bowl win in what feels like forever for somebody who was there when Texas making a bowl was kind of like a joke. Uh, like oh, six games in, we were bowl eligible. Fantastic. Right. So you know the the analysis for Tom Herman is at this point. They really are, uh, you know. The expectations are high for 2018. Uh, you know, you got a B minus for last year, but really, it's you know the Todd Orlando's still around, so he's got that. Uh, he brought in some help for Tim Beck, so that's exciting. Uh, and they've got what's going to probably end up being a top five, if not a top three class. Cause Texas is currently sitting at number three, and so for me, it's just expectations mm-hmm. like. The the thing for Texas fans, something that I struggle with, is anything short of a national championship is a disappointment for us. It just kind of is what it is. And so, for me, expectations, I think com- competing for a conference championship this year is fair expectations. Expecting this team that was 7-6, and six, on the cusp of being 6-7, and seven, on the cusp of not making a bowl game, let's just be real here uh, – <laughs> Competing for a national championship in Tom Herman's second year are unrealistic unrealistic expectations. I think they should be better. I think eight and five is not good enough. I think maybe nine and four feels probably better. Uh, maybe even a ten and three in my mind. So Ooh. I I don't necessarily know. I think I think ten wins gets them in the in the talk for for the conference title. Uh, I think ten wins is maybe pushing the unfair expectations. It's kind of like when you have a kid that's used to getting like 90s and you expect them to get 95s. Like that's that's kind of what I'm what I'm feeling with that 10 win. It's just a little too far. Uh, but I think that's not an unfair expectation. But expecting undefeated shot in a national championship, if it happens, more power to you. I don't think it's going to happen. But fair expectations, guys. The, don't let the recruits get you drinking the Kool Aid. Not all of these early signees are going to play next year. That's just that's just what it is. Maybe some of the top guys, again, Stearns and Foster, those guys will probably see some time, but don't expect all of these f- top flight freshmen. The, you. I don't know how to say this any other way. You can't expect freshmen to come in and play instantaneously and have consistent play. Look at this class in two years and see where they're at. So the 2020 season where you can really look at this class and see, okay, did it come together? Did it congeal? Did it gel? So that's all we've got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening in again. And if you like what we do, it would mean a lot if you left us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It uh, helps a ton of visibility. Again, share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. Um, you can find me again, just to uh, not go a whole episode without plugging, at your local Fud Ruckers. world's greatest hamburgers. Still need to cash in those four free. Uh, burgers hit me up with some extras fudruckers you got me at Kyle Carpenter on Twitter
0: bro you need to hit up that nacho cheese for them for the fries man just go ahead and do it just go and do it just do it tomorrow for lunch that's a great way to spend your afternoon not working is getting fudruckers <laughs> at lunch uh, so you can find me on Twitter I am at gh goodridge you can follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn pod and again you can shoot us an email Longhorn Republic pod at gmail.com thank you so much for listening in again this week and until next time hook them